Episode 2 of a show to be named later is online now. Get it rolling on Tuesday, June 5th. Or whenever and wherever you may be listening to this. On ESPNSyracuse.com, ESPNUticaRome.com, our ESPN iTunes feed and Google Play feed. There are many, many ways to catch up with the show. Plenty to get to today on the podcast. We got the Vegas Golden Knights on the brink of elimination. Talk about that coming up. But I want to start with a couple of Yankee notes here. Because there are a couple weird stories going on with the New York Yankees. We know they're playing well. We know what's going on on the field. We know how great they are and, and the pace that they are on, right? We, we know that. We know how good they are. But with that being said, there's some weird stuff going on around this team. And, and this story, I wanted to give it time to breathe after the weekend. I wanted to see what would happen with this. I didn't want to come out of the gates talking about it. On Monday, I wanted to wait. I wanted to see. I wanted to let this marinate and and see where it would go. And that is this story about boycotting ESPN and the scheduling issues and when the Yankees are going to make up some of these games that they really need to make up. Because at this point in the season... They've got so many rainouts already. It's really incredible. And they made up two of them yesterday with that doubleheader in Detroit. But it makes for really awkward scheduling. And it makes for real problems. Think about what they have to do this week. They went from Baltimore to Detroit for two games and straight to Toronto. Now, that's not terrible, right? The the trip from Detroit to Toronto wasn't all that far. That's not a terrible kind of detour to have to take. You would rather not take it, but that's not a terrible detour to have to take. And they're going to have to do this again in two weeks when they have to go out of their way to go to Washington, D.C. to play a game and a half with the Nationals. So this is going to happen a couple of times. And, oh, by the way, they now have two more doubleheaders on the schedule later this year with the Baltimore Orioles. And they're a little bit lucky in that they were going to play the Orioles so many times over the rest of the season. So, you know what, end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of a wash. You were going to be there anyway. You just have to play extra games. Except for this one day. Except for this one time where it became a problem. And why did it become a problem? Why did this have to happen? And and it's something that I, I don't totally understand why this had to become a problem. I don't understand why there was a need to move a Yankee-Blue Jays game onto Sunday night to an 8 o'clock game. Now, first off, setting this up, because some of you may be listening and saying, what are you talking about? The Yankees and Orioles had their game rained out on Thursday night. And on Thursday night, the players sat in the locker room and they voted and they approved a doubleheader to be played on July 9th. Right? When the Yankees go back to Baltimore, they'll play a a single admission doubleheader, a 4 o'clock game, and a 7.30, 8 o'clock game, something like that. They'll get both of the games in, and and you'll be done, right? You'll make up your game. Boom. Easy. Easiest possible way to go make up your games. You're going back to Baltimore. Just do it then. Since they decided that, since Thursday night, it was announced that ESPN would be picking up the July 8th game between the Yankees and the Blue Jays as the Sunday night game of the week. And all of a sudden, this game now turns into an 8 o'clock game. And you're not going to get to Baltimore until 4 or 5 in the morning. 
and you're going to have to go and check into the hotel and whatever, and by the time you get to sleep and get up and get to the stadium, how many hours rest are you on to have to then turn around and play two games? And I know, I know, I know, we shouldn't complain, we shouldn't feel bad for them because they're professional athletes. They're getting paid to play a child's game. They're traveling in the nicest and best of accommodations. Fine. Whatever. But that's not fair. That's not something you should be doing to any team. You should not be putting them in a position to throw the first pitch of three games in a 24-hour period. That's not something that should be happening. It is not safe. It is not healthy. It is not thinking about player wellness. And I think that's the bottom line here. This decision by ESPN that the Players Association and Major League Baseball have gone along with for the time being is not in the best interest of the players. We talk about this all the time with Thursday Night Football in the NFL. Right? All the time. How I've said it is contradictory for the NFL to say they care about player safety, but also have Thursday night football. It is flat out a contradiction. Because you don't care about player safety if you are let making these players, not letting them, making these players play on that short a week. And I think that the same comes into play with this scenario. It is not okay to turn around and say, we like, we're big advocates of player wellness. We want what's best for the player. If you're going to schedule three first pitches in the span of about 24 hours. Three full games in less than a day and a half. That's not thinking of the player. That's not wanting the best for the player. It's also not wanting the best for the fans. Right? It's not wanting the best for those fans who are going to be paying to go see the Yankees when they come to Baltimore. Because they're going to be a step slow. They're not going to be playing their best guys. Whatever it may be. You don't have the best interest in mind. Now, where this gets interesting... I think where this gets interesting is what the Yankees are threatening to do. Because this is an odd situation. And maybe if you're not a TV nerd, maybe if you're not a media nerd, like I might be, you haven't noticed. But Toronto teams don't normally get on national TV in the States. And there's a very good reason for that. It's because Toronto's in Canada, right? And you miss out on one market. So you don't get the credit for the ratings and whatever and whatever. This happens with the Raptors. The Raptors are good. Right? The Raptors, how often are the Raptors on TNT or on ESPN? They just aren't. Even their playoff games, they usually get pushed to NBA TV because they're in Toronto. They're not in the U.S. Which makes this decision all the more confusing. Why do you feel the need and why is there a a strong desire to get Yankees-Blue Jays on a Sunday night. Sure, the Yankees are great, and the Yankees are going to draw, and the Yankees are going to do big things no matter who they are playing 
on Sunday Night Baseball because they're the Yankees, and you watch them to love them, and you watch them to hate them. But at the same time, Toronto stinks. Toronto's not a good team. And they're not here. They're not a market that you are getting ratings for. So to me, this decision and this and this thought process is confusing. It's one of those things that I, I just don't understand. And you hear the Yankees coming out over the weekend on Sunday and yesterday on Monday and saying, well, if they're going to go through with this, maybe we just don't help them out. Maybe we just don't talk to ESPN before, during, or after games. And I find this tactic fascinating. Fascinating. Because if this works, what else does it work for? Right? Like, if it works to get this game off Sunday night, what else does it allow players to do? What else does it give players the power to do? If they say, huh, you know what? We're not going to talk to the TV people. That guy Seth on the radio, we don't like him. We're not going to talk to Seth anymore. What else does it give them the power to do? What else can they get done by simply saying, I'm not talking to that guy? I'm not talking to those people. It opens up a whole can of worms. It opens up a whole Pandora's box. I am so interested to see where this leads. If baseball caves and changes this game because of the Yankees' demands, because of the Yankees saying, hey, you know what? Fine, put our game on, but we're not going to help you out. That puts them in a terrible spot. But at the same time, they've got to change this game. They can't let the Yankees play three games in 24, 25, 26 hours, whatever it may end up being. Not fair to the players, not fair to the fans, not fair to anybody. So the Yankees have put the league in an impossible position. They really have. And I cannot wait to see how this plays out over the next, let's say, week. Because I think that's all it's going to take. I think that somebody at some point is going to come to their senses and it's going to get worked out. Because there's got to be some kind of resolution. Right? Like them playing this game at 8 o'clock and them playing at 5 or 8 or whatever the two games might end up being scheduled as on Monday is not a viable solution to this. That is just not a viable solution. On that note... Let's change gears a little bit, because something else happened last night with the New York Yankees that is one of those weird stories out there, and I will be the first one to admit, I don't care about the Major League Baseball draft. I just don't, and there are a number of reasons for this. I think that first and foremost, I'm not a college baseball fan, so I don't know any of these players. I certainly don't follow high school baseball, so I don't know any of these players. And on top of that, I'm not going to see them for a couple of years. I'm not going to see them for two or three or maybe even four or five years when they are up in the majors. So why should I care about the Major League Baseball draft? If I don't know the players and I'm not going to see the players anytime soon and don't need to know the players anytime soon, I have no need to care or or have interest or wonder about this. Except for when this happens last night. 
except for with what the Yankees did. With the 23rd selection of the 2018 MLB draft, the New York Yankees select Anthony Siegler, a catcher from Cartersville High School in Cartersville, Georgia. Now, on the surface, that pick might not sound like anything special. They picked a high school catcher out of Georgia. All right. Nothing special. But why don't we listen to Carlos Colaza of Baseball America explain this pick and what Anthony Siegler might be on the MLB Network last night? Oh, definitely, yeah. Anthony Siegel, the first thing that comes to mind is he's an ambidextrous guy. He can throw from the right side and the left side on the mound. Gets up into the low 90s from the right side. And if he made it to college, he'd be a fantastic player affecting the team uh, behind the plate, on the mound from both sides. But he's, his pro future is going to be behind the plate. He has fantastic defensive tools, a strong arm. He was the starting catcher for USA Baseball's team last summer. And he's really hit everywhere he's been. This spring, he hit from both sides of the plate. He's a switch hitter as well. And I really love this guy's work ethic and mentality and makeup. So think about the first thing he said there for a second. All right, he's got a strong arm. He, he can hit from both sides of the plate. He's a good defensive catcher, whatever. Think about the first thing he said. He's ambidextrous. So he's a switch hitter and catcher, but he also pitches and can throw with both hands. I want to see this. <laughs> right? I want to see this happen. I want to see this guy on the mound. I want him to be a two-way player. I want to I, I want more two-way players. And I think that Shohei Otani and what he is doing and has done this year in Anaheim is starting to open the door to this a little bit more. And really when you think about it, it's a smart thing to do. It's smart to have guys who can play both ways. In this era of eight and nine men bullpens where you've got so few bench players, wouldn't it make sense if one of those guys in the bullpen or one of those guys on the pitching staff could also, I don't know, play first base and hit for you? Play left field and hit a little bit for you? Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that only, you know, isn't that logical to be able to do both things and to be able to do multiple things? And again, I think Otani has opened people's eyes to this. Sure, you've got utility guys. If you're a Yankee fan, you know, Ronald Torres, Luis Soho, Miguel Cairo, go through the years. You have utility guys. But they only play, you know, the infield positions or the three outfield positions. Or maybe they play the infield positions and, like, you can get away with them in the corner outfield spots. This is totally different. This guy is a legit catcher. He was drafted as a catcher. He's a guy who's expected to make his bones as a catcher. But oh, by the way, he can throw low 90s and throws with both hands. That is incredible. That is remarkable. And instead of putting him in a minor league system, and instead of sending him to Tampa or to Charleston or whatever the Yankees short season A-ball team is, and saying, just go catch. Why don't we have him doing both? Why don't we have him catching and also being a reliever one day a week? Being a starting pitcher one day a week? Why are we going to stunt this? Why are we going to stunt this growth? Stunt this ability? 
Just let it happen. And if you do, I think this could turn into a very intriguing prospect for you. Ultimately, is he going to have to pick one or the other, hitting or field or, or pitching? Yeah, maybe. And Shohei Otani might have to pick, make that choice too. But why don't we kick it further down the road? Why don't we develop a guy as both and figure out as he gets closer to the major leagues which one he's really better at? Or if he can be an asset on both sides. I don't want to stunt this kind of growth. I don't want to kill this kind of idea. I think it's great for baseball to have something like this going on. I think it's great for baseball to have guys who are playing both ways. It's intriguing. There's a, I don't know if this is the right word and it's going to come off the wrong way. There's a freak show nature to it. Right? Isn't there? There's like a freak show nature to Shohei Otani. Oh, wow. Look at this guy. He's hitting 400-foot home runs and he's striking out people with 95-mile-an-hour fastballs. Whoa, look at that. We haven't seen this ever. Right? It's like the circus. Oh, my goodness. Watch this guy who can strike people out one day and hit home runs the next. Look at the man, the two-way baseball player, right? Like, you never would have imagined this. And the Yankees just drafted a kid last night who, well, maybe not as well, but might be able to do both. Might be able to do the same thing. And oh, by the way, he's got this weird added element to him where he throws with both hands. Tell me you don't want to see that on the Yankee Stadium mound. Tell me you don't want to see him with that six-fingered glove that the former Yankee prospect Pat Venditti had. Where he could just flip it back and forth, one side to the other. Oh, Albert Pujols comes up, time to throw righty. Oh, here's the big left-handed slugger, like a David Ortiz. Oh, let's flip it over. Time to throw lefty. Who doesn't want to see this? I do. And I hope that that growth and that idea is not stunted. Before we get into the Stanley Cup Finals and some stuff about the Vegas Golden Knights with that team down on the verge of eliminations, three games to one to the Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup Finals, let's take a quick break. And tell you to listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show all summer long. When prompted, be caller 10 and you will register for a UPS happy hour party for your office at Shaughnessy's Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. Brought to you by UPS and ESPN Syracuse. You get to go hang out with Daniel, hang out with Polly, And I don't know if that's really an incentive to go, but you get to hang out with the crew of the Daniel Baldwin Show. Uh, enjoy some pretzel pups and uh, all that kind of good stuff over at Shaughnessy's. And also, don't forget, I mean, look, you're listening to our podcast, so you already know about our podcast feed on ESPN Syracuse, on iTunes, and on Google Play. Don't forget, you can check out our website, ESPNSyracuse.com, as well, and you can get uh, all the interviews from the shows, from On the Block with Brent Axe, Orange Nation, when we return in August, and uh, on our podcast feed, iTunes and Google Play, you will get everything delivered straight to your phone. On the Block with Brent Axe, the Daniel Baldwin Show, this show. So subscribe, get stuff delivered straight to your phone as soon as they are published every day. All right, now back to a show to be named later. I wanted to wrap up with a couple thoughts here about the Stanley Cup Final, about the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Because they're now down three games to one. And this has been one of the coolest story in sports. I would say the coolest story in sports this year. With this team doing what they've done in their first year, it is unheard of. It is absolutely incredible. Going to the Stanley Cup final and being as successful as they have been in year one and as good as they've been in year one is just absolutely remarkable. And I I don't think that losing here or falling behind here to the Capitals should take anything away from that at all. I am curious, and and we'll have to get Dan Duva on the line uh, later this summer after the the season wraps up, and and maybe we'll give him even a week of vacation or so. But we got I want to talk to him about what this season was like. And uh, the main question I've got for Dan, for the people of Vegas, did, where do you go from here? Right, like where where do you go from here? Because year one is a rousing success. If even if you don't win another game, right, even if you lose four straight in the Stanley Cup final and you you lose to the Washington Capitals and and you don't get the cup. Year one's a rousing success, but like where do you go from here? Could you imagine being that fan base? Could you imagine being that team, that organization, the GM there, the coach there, Gerard Gallant, George McPhee? Could you imagine being them? I mean, they never could have imagined this. And I know that when Dan was on with us a couple weeks ago on Orange Nation, he mentioned that Bill Foley, the owner, had kind of a five-year plan, right? Like, hey, three years from now we'll make the playoffs, five, six years from now we'll be competing for a cup. Well, you're already there, right? You're already there. You already have made it to the Stanley Cup final. So where do you go from here? I've loved watching this. And I'm not a huge hockey fan. I'm the first to admit that. But I have loved watching this team because there's something fun about them. There's something interesting about them. There's something that I feel like everybody can understand when they're watching that team. You don't have to be a hockey fan. You don't have to be a sports fan to love this team. I don't think you do, at least. You hear the story. You hear how a year ago they didn't have players. How their first home game was days after the shooting on the Las Vegas Strip. And you hear how they rallied. How they brought the community together in the aftermath. How people have gotten on board. And how they carried that throughout the entire season. And I think that if you just listen to that story and hear about this team, you're a fan. They've captivated me. Throughout the regular season, I always had an eye on them. Throughout the playoffs, I've been watching. They're a fun team with an incredible story. And I don't think it matters much whether they win the Stanley Cup or they lose it. Well, except for the Disney movie ending that you know is coming. Down the road. That's the only thing that changes. The only thing that changes is the ending to that movie. Other than that, the story remains the same. They're the first team in professional sports to reach their championship round, their final, in their first year of existence. I'm not counting the St. Louis Blues. That doesn't count. That's a technicality. 
They were in a conference with all expansion teams. Somebody had to do it. They're the first. And that never changes, regardless of if they win the Cup or not. That does it for us today on a show to be named later. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have ESPN's Will Kane on tomorrow's podcast. And uh, like I said yesterday, maybe we'll have a name by then. We'll talk to you tomorrow.